0: I'm Aaron Schachter, and this is The World. We're going to take a brief detour from the events here in Boston. Several weeks back, we launched a special series with our partners at the PBS program, Nova. It explores the continent of Australia. Today, we take a look at one of Australia's most iconic animals, the koala. The species is in trouble. Although koala populations are doing okay in some parts of Australia, in many areas, their numbers are plummeting. And one reason is disease. NOVA's Ari Daniel Shapiro tells us what's being done to help koalas survive a pair of epidemics. One of the most reliable places to find koalas in Australia these days is in the hospital. About 50 miles north of Brisbane, at the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital, a female koala is under a mild anesthetic. Those caring for her have given her the name Penny. Yeah, she's quite an old girl. I think she's over 10 years. That's veterinarian Amber Gillett. She's in charge of Penny's checkup today. Put some ultrasound gel in the pouch, and then we'll have a look on this ultrasound machine. She's checking Penny's bladder for symptoms of chlamydia. In people, chlamydia is a common sexually transmitted disease. A different strain infects koalas, but it too can be spread sexually, and it's causing a devastating epidemic. Gillett walks me outside, across a lawn to a series of open-air enclosures. These are our koala wards. Um, Basically, these are generally always full with koalas all year round. Last year, Gillett and her team treated about 300 koalas for chlamydia, females, males, and the little ones called joeys. They can pick up chlamydia from their moms while suckling in the pouch. In some parts of Australia, koala infection rates are as high as 90%. I can certainly tell you that it's a major threat to our population. Chlamydia causes blindness and infertility and can be fatal. But it's not just chlamydia making koalas sick. Leukemia and lymphoma are increasingly common, too. The reason is something called koala retrovirus. Paul Young, a virologist at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, says it's a lot like HIV in humans in that it suppresses a koala's immune system. What we're looking at is a virus invading the um, population in real time. We're actually looking at it as we speak. He says every koala he's tested in the northern part of the species range has been infected, and the virus is gradually making its way south. Young says that initially the infection was probably transmitted from koala to koala through physical contact, but within the last century, the virus has managed to insert itself directly into koala sperm and eggs. So as soon as a koala is born, they've got very high levels of the virus and it remains that way for the rest of their life. Between chlamydia and the retrovirus, koalas in many parts of Australia are in trouble. Fortunately, though, there's a small but committed army working to save them. I love everything about koalas, from their little furry ears down to the little poo that pops out of their bottoms. Vonda Grabowski has hand-raised about 40 orphaned koalas in her home since 1999. She and others like her call themselves koala carers. They ensure that the young joeys of sick mother koalas survive. Grabowski says it's not easy rearing these baby animals in their first year of life. Joey's are most active at nighttime, so you have to turn your day into night. And then, when they're a little older, you have to cut and collect fresh eucalyptus leaf, which can mean driving hours every day. If all goes well, the young koalas are eventually released back into the wild. I always investigate the sites where my joeys go. It's like a mother would. You wouldn't want to send your kid off to some strange place, would you? You'd check it out. So that's what I do as a good mum. Same thing goes for older animals. Adult koalas that are sick and treated at the hospital, if they get better and remain fertile, they're released back into the wild. And after that, some of them are still looked after by people like John Hanger. He's a wildlife biologist, and right now he's standing in a eucalyptus woodland outside Brisbane, unfurling an antenna. Hanger comes through here once a week to check on a handful of koalas. By tracking them and regularly monitoring them, we can certainly detect if they become ill again. If he finds a koala that needs additional medical attention, Hanger will bring it back to his clinic or the hospital for a workup. Some of the animals here have been fitted with radio collars. Hanger punches in the frequency for a collar on his receiver. We follow the signal and come to the base of a tall tree. Hanger points 20 feet up into the branches. The koala we've just tracked is a koala called Maggie. Oh, I see her really well up there. Yeah. She's right in that kind of 90-degree fork in the tree, yeah. clinging to it. Yeah. A couple years ago, Maggie ended up in the hospital. Her uterus was infected. She had chlamydia. But fortunately, they caught it early. She was given antibiotic treatment, and that was effective in curing her of that infection. Her fertility was retained. And so far, everything looks good. She's had two joeys since then, and hopefully she's got a a third one in the pouch as we speak. So she's a real success story. But long-term success in battling these diseases may only come if koalas can be prevented from getting sick in the first place. And that's where a team at the Queensland University of Technology enters the picture. Microbiologist Peter Timms opens a laboratory freezer that's kept extremely cold. This is minus 80 degrees. He pulls out a box of tiny vials that contain an experimental vaccine for koala chlamydia. The lab's pursued it alongside a vaccine for chlamydia in humans, something that still needs a lot of work. Tim says preliminary research on the vaccine for koalas suggests it can produce an immune response that could protect the animals from becoming infected. He wants to start using the vaccine soon and has a couple of field trials planned. Now, vaccinating all the koalas in Australia, Tim's admits that's not likely. We don't see it being practical to find the last koala on the last tree out in the middle of Queensland. But thousands of koalas are already being handled each year at hospitals and other care facilities, and he'd like to see them vaccinated. Many of these koalas have been struck by cars or attacked by dogs. Others have been pushed off their land due to suburban sprawl. Tim says all of these threats add up to a dire future for the koalas, which makes it all the more important to vaccinate them against chlamydia and perhaps one day against the retrovirus, too because maybe now we can make a real difference there that we weren't making before. You should try and pick some battles, I think, where you can win. Winning those battles against disease won't ensure the survival of koalas in the wild, but, he says, at least it's a start. For Nova and the World, I'm Ari Daniel Shapiro, Brisbane.